Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I'm going to pick up uh, on what I was talking about Sunday and try to get into tonight what I was what I was wanting to Sunday morning. We talked about this fact in, in Sunday and the week before, Sunday before, that faith, go ahead and turn over there with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verse number 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We've already determined the fact that without faith, it says in Hebrews 11, without faith it's impossible to please God. Now, faith isn't the only thing that pleases God. There are other things that please God, but even if you do the other things, without faith, you can't please Him. Because He said without faith, it's impossible to please Him. You could walk in love, but if you didn't do it and, and, and weren't exercising faith, you still wouldn't please God. Because God has set the kingdom up, His kingdom his way of, of operating, not just in our lives, not just in the church, not just in the body of Christ at large. God has set the universe up and it operates by faith. So, well, whose faith keeps everything spinning and everything God's faith does? God spoke the world into existence. He said, let there be, and there was. And the Bible says that he upholds all things by his word. Well, if that's not a faith operation, I don't know what is. So the whole universe operates. Even natural laws are, are uh, constricted, are, are they, their, their origin is in the faith of God. God created the natural laws with his faith and with his words. You and I can manipulate the natural realm with our faith. We can alter things in this world with our faith by taking the word of God and speaking the word of God over our situation, we can change things. And, and it's the way God operates. And that's why the, without faith, you can't please him because he wants to bless you and his blessings come as a result of us believing him. So we talked about this fact that faith only comes by hearing the word. There's no other way to get faith. Faith doesn't come by uh, praying for it. Faith, uh, a lot of people believe that, that, it, that faith comes by praying, that if you pray a lot, you'll be a person of faith. That's not true. Faith doesn't come by fasting a lot or any. No faith comes by, by fasting. It doesn't come by praying. Faith doesn't come simply because God ordains one person to have great faith and somebody else he ordains to have weak faith. That's not the way it comes. Jesus said, have the faith of God. Have it. That wasn't a suggestion. He was telling us, now you need to, you must have the faith of God. Well, if he tells us that we have to have it, then there, the, the responsibility with whether or not we have it rests with us, not with him. It's our responsibility to have faith and the only way it comes is by the word of God. So we pointed this out that uh, it, we pointed out all the, all the ways faith doesn't come and all of the things that we do. We, we have 24 hours in a day. All of us have the same number of hours. Nobody has 26 hours. Nobody has 22. We all have 22 hours and however many minutes that, that uh, accounts to. But we, that's what we have. Isn't that right? And we cram a lot of things into those waking hours at least. And the vast majority of the things that we are required to do, stuff that we have to do every day, they don't produce any faith. Faith only comes by hearing the word. So that tells me that, that we need to put a premium on in our lives 
and, and listen, if you don't do something to regulate yourself, to control yourself, to if you don't do something to make sure you have time for the Word of God, your day will slip away and, you, and you'll go to bed at night and you'll say, well, Lord, I'll do better tomorrow. But we are people of habits. And, and the reason you didn't do good today is you're not in the habit of doing good where the Word is concerned. That's the reason you didn't pray much and you didn't read your Bible much and you didn't meditate any is because you're not in the habit of doing it. I'm just saying generally, maybe not you as an individual, but I'm sure there's somebody here that fits this, this describes pretty well. And, uh, and if you don't do something to change your habits, your habits will rule you. Amen. And so it's important that we hear the word of God so that we can get faith because the blessings, all the blessings of God come by faith. Now, there, we, we know that, that there are times when God in his mercy, you know, will, will move on somebody and bless them and, and minister to them in a way. And, and maybe it's happened to you before and you think, well, I wasn't even believing God. I mean, I, I was... I, I wasn't even, I was in, I was worried, I was fretting, I was upset, and God still blessed me. Well, like Joey was talking about tonight, somebody was praying for you, and they were praying in faith. And so God responds to faith, and it's the, James said it like this, if any man lacks wisdom, remember that? Would it be God's will for you to have wisdom? Sure it would be. Are you going to have wisdom simply because God wills it? No. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all. He gives, God gives everybody wisdom liberally, generously, without uh, criticizing or condemning or fault finding. And uh, he said it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith. For he, with no doubting. Now, just a side note, this is not thought, this is not, some people have the idea if a thought comes to your mind of doubt, well, now I'm doubting. Not if you don't take it. Not if you don't accept that thought. Not if you don't take it and pick it up and start playing with it and rehearsing it and letting it control you. Thoughts can come, like people have said before, you know, you can't, you can't keep birds from flying in the air over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Isn't that right? And thoughts are the same way. Thoughts will come, but I like to say this, thoughts come and thoughts go. Amen. A, 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 an unbelieving thought that is not acted on, that is not spoken and put into motion, dies unborn. And it does not affect, now it'll challenge your faith, but if you stand strong against it, it won't affect your faith. And I'm gonna tell you this, Nobody can overcome your faith. No, there's, there's no amount of unbelief that you can get, that you can be around. Well, I don't like to be around my family because they're full of unbelief. They probably need you to be around them so that you can exercise faith and have an, input, an, inf an impact in their life. No amount of... of uh, People have the idea that if you're around people and they're speaking a lot of negative, I don't want to be around them because I don't want them speaking negative things over me. They're, you know, I, my family, they're always talking negative things. It doesn't matter what my family or my friends or anybody else says about me. It's what I say about me. As long as I say what God says, I can have a thousand people saying something else, but if I believe God's report... And I say God's report, and I continue to act on God's report, I'm going to get the benefit, and everybody else will just, just end up tongue-tied, I guess, you know, just discouraged and, and disappointed because their bad things didn't come to pass. Nobody can overcome your faith, but you can give it up, and you have to be strong and diligent not to do that. Amen? So faith comes by hearing the Word of God. I want you to go with me tonight. Well, let me, let me introduce this before I, before I have you go to the scripture. Let's just pretend for a minute that faith does come by, let's say, fasting. Let's say, let's, we know it doesn't, okay? But let's just for a minute, let's just uh, uh, 
let's just pretend that faith comes by fasting. Well, would it matter how well you fast? <laughs> I mean, you know, you can fast donuts. <laughs> you know, you, you can fast little things or, or you can fast for a whole week and not eat any food. So there are different kinds of fasting. I, now, years ago, I used to drink iced tea by the quarts, plural, a couple of quarts every day of iced tea. And I mean, I just had to have iced tea. And there came a time in my life when I realized, you know what? This is not good for me, and it's controlling me. And so I just put it away. For a long time, I didn't drink any iced tea. Eventually, I started drinking iced tea again. But if you know, if you know any, if you ever been out to, to eat with me, I, I I drink iced tea at lunch if I'm in a restaurant or dinner if I'm in a restaurant. In other words, the only time I ever drink iced tea is when I'm out or if we have a church fellowship. I don't I don't make tea in my house. Because I put that away. Listen, there are people who, who can't make it in the morning if they don't have their cup of coffee. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Did I just say that? And they brag about it. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm miserable in the morning if I don't have my cup of coffee. I'm just a bear. Listen, that's not good. I said, that's not good. It's not right. Well, it's quiet in here. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm no, I, can't, I can't talk to anybody. I can't do anything until I've had my cup of joke. Listen, anything that controls you like that is, 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 is weakening your faith. That's the truth. And I saw that where, where iced tea was concerned. I mean, I drink it, I, I drink it for breakfast. Now, now I drink hot tea for breakfast. But I have one cup, sometimes two, but then I, after a couple of days I won't have any. Because it's not going to control me. But I used to drink iced tea for breakfast. And I'd have a big old 8 ounce, 10 ounce glass of iced tea. And uh, I'd have it, I would, I would drink it all day long. I'd carry a thermos with me and I'd keep drink iced tea and I'd come on. I'd drink it. I mean, I'd, I'd go through uh, a whole pitcher, about a half a gallon a day of iced tea. And I just decided that, that I'm going to cut that off. So I'm just saying that there are different ways of fasting. Uh, the Bible talks about different kinds of fasts. If you go over to, this is not a sermon on fasting tonight, but if you go over to Isaiah 55, uh, the prophet was saying, you know, what, what kind of fast? Is this the kind of fast that the Lord approves of? And he, and he mentioned a type of fasting and some things that go on in fasting that God doesn't approve of. And then he talked about the kind of fasting he does approve of. So if faith would come by fasting, then it would matter what kind of fasting you were doing? If faith came by praying, do you think, let's, let's pretend for a minute that faith comes by praying. Do, well, would it come by, by, what kind of praying would, it, would, would produce good faith? Good praying or bad praying? I mean, would a now lay me down to sleep? Would that produce a lot of faith? I mean, let's just say if faith came by hearing, by praying. If faith came by praying, would now lay me down to sleep? Would that produce a lot of faith? Probably not. God is great. God is good. <laughs> Shall I tell that story? <laughs> this brother in our church years ago, I won't say who it was. He was related to us, actually. He was called on to pray over the food. And he prayed. Well, uh, he stumbled and stammered and stumbled around. He says, well, God... God, you are great, and God, you are good, and we, and we do thank you for our food. Amen. <laughs> I was kind of stunned. I, you know, how, how many of you can, can understand that that kind of praying, if, if faith comes by praying, that's not going to get the job done? Just any kind of hearing is not going to get the job done. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, but not just any kind of hearing. Because faith, faith in God doesn't just come by, by hearing. Faith in this world comes by hearing. 
Faith in what the devil can do comes by hearing. Faith in God comes by hearing. And here's the, vo- the verse I wanted you to look at. Go over with me. Uh, I think it's Mark's gospel. Look at Mark chapter 4. It said something in Mark 4 that I want us to look at. But he also said something in Luke 8. But let's look at Mark chapter 4 first. Jesus was talking about the word of God. And he said in verse 24, take heed what you hear. Now I said that what other people say will not affect me and, and, must, and, and uh, doesn't have to affect you, but you have to determine not to hear it. I don't mean with these ears, I mean down here on the inside. When the enemy starts talking and we're, or when people, you're around people and they start talking anything that's contrary to the word of God, we need to always be alert. Take heed. I think there's a note. I don't know if it's, if I wrote it here. Yeah. Kenneth Wiest, who's a, who was a marvelous, uh, marvelous uh, Greek uh, teacher he said this word here so where it's, when it says take heed he said it, it means to keep a watchful eye on to keep a watchful eye on we need to keep a watchful eye on what we hear anything that is contrary to the word of God we need to immediately identify that and say I don't believe that you don't have to say it out loud but we, but we need to be constantly watching over what we hear lest anything get in that shouldn't be. Because frankly, there are a lot of Christians today. We're, we're living in a time where <coughs> we're living in a time where the philosophies and the ideas of the world are making tremendous inroads in the church. The church is becoming more like the world at an alarming rate. At a rate that I've never seen before in all of my years in serving the Lord. There are people who are being influenced by this world because they're not stopping and checking everything that comes to them and judging that and saying, you know what, that's contrary to the word of God. I'm not going to believe that. And you have a lot of people in the church today that are believing things that are, that, that are completely contrary to the word of God and, and they don't care. You point out to somebody, well, you know, the Bible says, and they say, well, I don't, Bible or no Bible, this is, this is what I believe. You, you remember we had uh, the, the lesbian last year, was that last year? And when I talked to her about what the Bible said about, about homosexuality, she, she, she tried to cut me off. And she said, your interpretation of the scripture is not right. That's not what those, those verses mean. I said, you would have to be, I didn't say this to her. I just said, no, that's exactly what they mean. But, you know, you, you would have to be completely dishonest, completely dishonest to, to try to say that the scripture is not clear on this subject. I've had other people challenge me on things and just say, you know, the, the Bible, I, I, they say, you know, Pastor, I know you don't believe this way, but I do. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not what I believe. And I showed them scripture. I said, here's what the scriptures say. Well, you know, I, I still have a better way figured out. I'm telling you, we have to come to the, to the point where we recognize the word of God to be God's sovereign word it's not going to change and it's true whether we believe it or not and we can figure it out another way if we want to but we're just going to be we're going to be the ones that are going to suffer defeat because God's word is true he said here he said take heed what you hear like I said faith in God comes by hearing but but uh the ideas and the philosophies of this world, 
get an inroad in us when we, when we start listening to them. Now, you can't help hear them. You can't help from hearing them because this world screams loud and constantly what, you know, its, it's belief and what, what its message is. So you can't stop it from, you can't prevent it, your, your, these natural ears from hearing, but you have to do something to make sure you don't let those things get on the inside of you. And what, what the Greek says here is you keep a watchful eye on what you hear. Amen? Now, go over with me to Luke's gospel, and let's look at chapter 8, Luke 8. Here, if, if you hold your place in, in Luke, go, go back to Mark for just a second. Mark chapter 4. When Jesus said, take heed what you hear, uh, he, he, this is in the context of what he said beginning in verse 21. Verse 21 said, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand and so forth? He said, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear, but take heed, give a watchful eye, keep a watchful eye on what you hear. If you go over to Luke's gospel in uh, chapter 8, he's talking about the same thing in verse 18. No one is lit a, when he's lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed. Uh, no, you set it on a lampstand. Therefore, take heed how you hear. Take heed how you hear. It's important what you hear, but it's also important how you hear things. If you, if you want to make sure your hearing is right, then you have to receive God's word in the right way. The first thing, the, first, the number one step in taking heed to how you hear. First of all, watch what you hear, but then take heed. Keep a careful eye on how you hear. The first step is you have to understand that this word is God's word. Now, that sounds like a, a, a simplistic statement to make. But I'm telling you, I run into people, I have run into people, and I still today, this is not something from 15 years ago. I run, I've run into people uh, right in my own congregation that have come to me and have a philosophy that's contrary to the word of God. And when I showed them what the clear scriptures, clear, you, I mean, there's no way you could misunderstand it. They've left my office and, and unconvinced. Well, they've lost sight of the fact that this is God's word. Turn over to First um, uh, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Verse number 13 says, for this reason, Paul's talking about when he was there in Thessalonica and how this city uh, came, you know, how he brought the gospel to them and their response. In chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 13, it says, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. See, you would think that a Christian, that it's a no-brainer, that every Christian knows that the Bible is the word of God. But whenever you, it, the word of God challenges you, and you're, you, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's easy because it's, it's not. I, don't, I, think it's, I think you have to take some steps to be so rebellious that you would say, well, this is the way I've got it figured out and I, and, and I don't care what the word says. But it happens in, in word of faith churches. Now, I'm just not talking about in some, you know, frozen church somewhere. You know, I'm talking about in God's, in, in, in people like us that believe the Bible. People who sit in a service like, like this and a church like this, week in, week out, year in, year out. <laughs> I've had people evidently lost sight of the fact that this is the word of God. Now notice, it is, he said, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. The word will work 
But you have to believe it. And believing is not passive. It, this isn't talking about mentally assenting to the word. The word works effectively when you, when you absolutely believe it. And you put it into, you know, you, you, you don't believe anything you don't really act on. You can measure how much you believe by your actions. You can say you believe in walking in love, but every, if, if you're the kind of person every time somebody doesn't look at you right and doesn't stick their hand out right, you get your feelings hurt, you can say you believe in walking in love, but your actions show you don't really believe it. Your actions reveal what you believe. And he said here, the word effectively works in you who believe it. And that, in, that involves putting it into practice. Wouldn't that be right? Amen. So first of all, you have, to, you have to understand that the word is the very word of God. And because it's God's word, number one, it's the final authority. God's, God is the final authority in, in all of life. I mean, even sinner people will talk about, well, you know, one day you're going to have to meet your maker. I mean, he's got, God has the final say. God doesn't just have the final say one day. He has the final say now. And if, if you're not submitting to the word of God now, you, you, it's costing you now, not just on judgment day. It's costing, there's judgment day every, there's a judgment day every day because we are, our, our life is determined by how much word we put into practice or how little we put into practice. And that there's a measure of judgment in that. In other words, we're getting what we're, what we're believing and acting on. And, and, if, you're, and if, you're not, if you're not happy with the fruit in your life and the results in your life, brush up on what you're believing and what you're saying. How, how much uh, compromise has entered in? Amen. So the word of God has to be, you have to understand that it's the word of God. And because it's the word of God, uh, it is the final authority. This has to become the absolute end of all discussion. Now, I understand that there can be different interpretations of some passages. But there are some things that are so plain that if you, if you can't understand what you're reading, you're either, you either have some mental problems or you're just, and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about generally, but you're just rebellious. For instance, you know, I, I, had, a, I had a man one time show up in, in church he, in, and he came one time, never came back. And, uh, you know the scripture in James where it says, uh, if, if, if uh, let no man say when he's tempted, he's tempted of the Lord, for, for he tempts no man. And, well, if you, if you study the Bible, you'll, you'll know this, that in the King James it uses the word temptation, and sometimes it's not talking about temptation, it's talking about tests and trials, I know that. I've read all of those commentaries. I've looked, I don't know Greek, but I've looked into the English explanation of these Greek terms. I've studied that. But I also know that what today, in modern times, in the last 50 years, there's been a shift in commentaries. And almost every time the word uh, uh Test or or, or, or or trying is used. It's used in the in the sense of of a uh, a test or a trial that you're going through, not necessarily a, a test of temptation. So modern commentaries tend to favor one side of that. But I've looked into it. It's just not that simple. Sometimes it's talking about temptations, and temptations are a test. So this particular Sunday, I was, you know, I was reading this scripture and I, and I preached this message and I don't even remember what I was preaching. I don't remember what the subject was. I just remember I used that text and, and, I, and I used it in the sense of, of no, let no man say when he's tempted, he's tempted of the Lord. This man met me after church. I'd never seen him before. Met me out in the lobby. The first thing he did, he, thought, he, he, he complimented our church. 
He said, I just want you to know, he said, I was really impressed with your congregation. He said, the way your people dress. He said, I go in so many churches today and people come to church, it looks like they're going to a flea market or something. They just dress any old way. looks like they, they you know, what he, what he actually said, now it just came to you, what he actually said is it looks like they, they, they come to church on Sunday morning in the same clothes they wore the night before out drinking and in the clubs and then they come staggering into church. He said, I was so impressed that so many people in your congregation on Sundays dressed up really nice. Well, I said, okay, well, thank you, you know. And then he said, but I have this thing that I, I disagree with you about. And he challenged me on the test and the temptation difference. And I said, well, you know, in, in the context of what I was talking about, because I've, I've looked into this. You have to understand, sir, he said, that, uh, that, that when the Bible uses this word temptation, oftentimes it's really talking about test. If you study that out, you'd know it. I said, well, you know, I, thank you. I have studied this out, and I can tell you that it's, that's not always the case. That is sometimes the case. It isn't always the case. Oh, yes, it is. I mean, he dressed me down and, and, and never came back. And I thought, what a weird, what a weird thing to, 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 to uh, raise your sail on. I mean, you know, who cares? Why, why make that the issue of the day? It's not going to change the Bible. It's not going to change how people, you know. I had somebody leave our church one time. Somebody that was a member of our church, been coming for years, left the church because I, because I taught and do teach a premillennial rapture of the church. And this man wrote me a long letter. I'm talking about pages and pages and pages where he schooled me that the church is not going to be raptured at the beginning of the tribulation. The church is going to go through a portion of the tribulation and be raptured some point midway through the tri tribulation. I've read all those books on that. No, well, not all of them, but I mean, I've read my share. And I've read, all of, I've read the books that take it from both sides and, 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 and uh, uh, you know, Compare one with another and the strengths of this argument and the weaknesses and the strengths of the argument and their weaknesses. I've done all of this. This guy, I mean, he wrote me multiple pages where I was wrong. Well, you know what? If you can't come to church because the pastor teaches that we're going to be called away at the beginning of the tribulation rather than the middle of the tribulation, you know what? Either way, it's going to be good. Why in the world would that be, why would that ruin your day? I don't mind somebody coming up and saying, Pastor, you know, I, I, you, know you preached it. I just want you to say, you know, I, I kind of see that the other way. Well, fine, I, you know, I appreciate that. Glad to hear it, you know. I'm glad that you're studying your Bible and you have a, you know, opinion. That's, that's good. He left the church. So what I'm saying is there are some things that it's just not that big a deal. But there are other things that are so clear that when things come up in life that challenge you, you'll, you'll find out whether you really believe the word of God is true or not. See, if you're, if you're you, may, you may have strong views on sexuality, but when your dear loved one turns up, and has a sexual orientation problem. Well, now, is the word still true? Hello. Yeah, it's still true. I didn't, didn't even talk about that, but I'm just saying. Uh, that's an illustration. The word has to be the final authority. What does the Bible clearly say? On some of these things, I'll be the first to admit. The test and the temptation thing, you know, it... it uh, it's, it's not always a, a, a slam dunk, you know, this is the way it is. Sometimes there's another way of looking at it. There's another way of looking at different things. But some things, there are no, there's only one way to look at it, and that is the, what the Bible clearly teaches. So your, your faith will, will be tested unless you have an absolute commitment that the Word of God is true, I don't care what happens to me in life. I don't care what my family does. I don't care what someone really close to me does. 
I'm going to stick with the word of God. I know a, 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 an evangelist who, uh, listen, tonight's topic was not homosexuality, but this is just a good illustration. He, he has a worldwide ministry. He's a missionary, missionary evangelist. Preaches in all over the world. His grown son, he has two sons. One of his sons was the overseer of all of the uh, overseas. In other words, he was his, his point man. He was, he was his representative. This particular man couldn't go to all the places that he has ministries all the time, so he would send his son in his name. Well, his son came to him, uh, I don't know, four or five years ago, and said, you know, with tears, he, he talked to him, you know, this man and his wife and said, you know, I've, I've always been same-sex attracted for as long as I can remember. And I just can't fight it anymore. And this is, I've, I've prayed and I've met this group of Christians and who are all this way. And we see that, that it is okay, that it's, uh, that God loves us like we are. And this is his plan for our lives. Well, I mean, this man, you know, here, this, this young man was his, his representative. He was his face on the ministry all around the world. And to begin with, in some places in the world, uh, if, you, if you identify, you know, as a homosexual, they'll kill you in some places in the world. And this man has ministries in those places. And so he said, son, he said, I, you know, I love you. It was a tr tremendous test. It still remains to be a tremendous test for him and his wife. He said, I love you. You will always be my son. You will always be welcome in my home. You'll always be welcome in our lives. We're not writing you out of our will. We will if you ever need anything, we will do, we'll do anything necessary to help you. But I cannot agree with this. And I'm going to have to take you out of the ministry. So he, he fired him. Took him, took him out of that role. His son has become so vile, he has attacked his dad. This young man has attacked this missionary and his wife. And he says, you are haters, you are the oppressors. He is now going to a church where everyone, you know, they're, they're, the same-sex marriages are celebrated and the pastor, I think, you know, is, is, is this way. And, and he said, you know, there, there's this whole Christian community, they claim Christian community, that have reinterpreted the scriptures. And he tells his dad, said, you, you are a hater, you are an oppressor, and just writes terrible things about him, he and his mom on Facebook and, and uh, Instagram, social media, just blast them. I'm telling you, I've seen parents before crumble under that, absolutely break and crumble under it and give in and compromise. And this missionary said, you know, with tears, you know, he said, I, I, it's broken my heart, said, but I cannot violate the word of God I cannot violate the word of God and I'm telling you this tonight as a as an extreme example of someone who's willing I mean there's a lot of pressure there to compromise and say well you know he and, and this man this missionary he said I tell you what I'll do I'll read all of the materials because there's a there's a whole community of people that believe this way who claim to be Christians and they've written books and they explain their, their view and, and how they think it fits in with Scripture. He said, bring me those books. I will read them. He said, he read all of them. He said, I just wanted my son to know that, that I'm not just being dogmatic and, and unwilling to hear. I, wanna, I want to see what it is you're trying to tell me. He said, he read all the books. He said, they're just, son, they're just not scriptural. They're in violation of the Word of God. That, that kind of commitment is the only hope for that son. It's the only hope. The only hope for him is for his parents to stand true to the word of God, knowing, knowing the pain that he's causing his parents. He knows it because he came to them in tears when he, when he brought this revelation to them. But I want to tell you, 
compromising with this world will never win this world. It'll never win this world. Praise the Lord. I'm supposed to be talking about faith tonight. That's why I never finish these things. Hallelujah. Go with me over to uh, Mark's gospel. Now, in Mark, Jesus taught on the parable of the sower. And we've read this before, and I've taught on it. And the reason I've, I've taught on the parable of the, parable of the sower uh, kind of uh, more than any of the other parables is because the parable of the sower is the parable of the word. And it all has to do with how much uh, a person receives and how much they're willing to act on and how much they're willing to safeguard. If you know anything about this parable, well, why don't we just read it? In Mark chapter 4, listen, verse number 3, listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. It happened as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Mark chapter 4, verse number 5. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Verse 6, but when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now, the first thing that stands out to me, that, now, it says here, when he said, after he said these words, he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. If you read this over in Luke's gospel, it says that he cried out. He who has ears to hear, hear. He cried out. There was something so important in this. Jesus was sitting in a boat on the, on the sea, on the, on, the, on the Sea of Galilee, I suppose. And uh, he's on the water. And the people are on the land and being in that boat, it's an, it creates a, a, a natural amplifier to your voice. And so he wasn't hollering out loud because he couldn't, people couldn't hear him. He was teaching, and they were hearing him. But when he got to this point, he, he yelled out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. We all, you understand he's not talking about natural ears, of course. We all have spiritual ears. But just because you have spiritual ears is no indication that you're willing to hear. Amen? So, so uh, in verse 10 it says, when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And we'll, we'll come back to this in a minute. So he explained the parable to them. He said in verse 13, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? This is the most important parable that Jesus ever taught because it's the parable about how the word works. He said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand anything. He said in verse 14, the sower sows the word. Now, it's interesting that you can, you can draw a conclusion from this. And I don't know that you could prove it. I, I, try to, I, try to be, I try to not be dogmatic when I don't need to be, okay? But I see some things that are likely it seems to me that according to, this, according to this parable that there are basically four kinds of hearers. Anytime you preach the word, anytime you witness to people, there are basically four kinds of hearers in this world. One, he described as the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. Can the devil take the word out of somebody's heart? Think about it. Not out of their mind. It says the devil came and took the word out of their spirit. Their, the heart means the spirit, man, the inner man. The devil came and took that word out of them. Can he do that? Evidently he can. Look in verse, no, skip over to verse 24, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. 
but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Well, who does that? Does God take it away? God's not taking the word out of people. The devil can, if, if the word is not acting on, if you don't act on the word, if you don't, if, let me rephrase that, if you don't receive it right, and that involves acting on it, the devil himself will take that word out of you. And he said, there, there are people like that. They're by the wayside. Now, you might not be the, you say, well, I'm not by the wayside. I'm in church and it's Wednesday night. I'm a Wednesday night guy. I mean, I'm, 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 in, I'm, in the, I'm in the groove. I'm a Wednesday nighter. Yeah, but are you listening? You could be by the wayside tonight about what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't like me talking about certain issues. Well, don't you know, you can, you can be sitting by the wayside. I, I, every preacher, every single preacher to a man or a woman knows Times when he's preaching and he could pick certain people out in the congregation, wayside. <laughs> That's a waysider right there. And they might be a Sunday school teacher. But in that particular service, depending on what the preacher's preaching on, wayside. It's a waysider. There are four, only four kinds of, 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 of hearers. One are the waysiders. They don't hear anything. The devil comes and takes what they have. Likewise, these are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation, and that's what it means, tribulation, or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Literally, it says immediately they are offended offended now the third class these are the ones sown among the thorns they are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this well they, they, they obviously receive the word because it says, then it says the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in that is into their heart choke the word and it becomes unfruitful that tells me that they were beginning to bear fruit because it, it became unfruitful. You can, you can, as a Christian, you can bear fruit for God for a while. And if, and if you're not careful, if you don't guard yourself against the things of this world, they will enter in and choke the word. And they really, it really happens because the, the heart wasn't cleared of those things to start with. When I, when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, I'm not saying I'm perfect by, by any means, but one thing that made the difference in my life, when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, I, I cut my ties to the past. And I, just like I had been trying to weed God out of my life, I was on a quest up until the time I got back into fellowship with the Lord, I was doing everything I could to get God out of my life. When I got back into fellowship with the Lord, I started immediately getting all of that other stuff out of my life that I had been entertaining. I'd been entertaining all kinds of foreign philosophies and all sorts of things. I, I, I immediately started uprooting that stuff. And frankly, a lot of people genuinely get saved. They genuinely believe the gospel. I know they, they believe, they're born again, they become a new man in Christ, but there's still a lot of junk in them that they're not willing to get out and it'll, it, that stuff will eventually grow up and choke the word out and they may do good for a while but then down the road they suffer. These then, number 20, are, or verse 20, are the, are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word and accept it, receive it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60 and some 100 now, the thing that stands out to me is only one-fourth of the people in general will ever really be fruitful for God. Just one-fourth. There's four different kinds of people. 
And I, and I, don't, I can't say that this is a, a mathematical calculation, 25%, 25%, 25%. But generally speaking, there's only a certain percentage of people who will ever really be fruitful. And you know what? That can happen in a church. Because only one of these didn't make it to the church. <laughs> the one sown by the, 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 uh, the wayside, uh, they, they didn't even receive salvation. But these other people, these other three uh, classes of, of individuals, they received the word. And it was working up until a point. One of them, it said that they, they, didn't have any, they didn't have any root in themselves. That means they didn't have any perseverance. And when tribulation came, they fell away. The other was, was the type of person who didn't get rid of all of the other stuff in his life. And all that stuff sprung up and they fell away. They, they became unfruitful and, 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 and so forth. But those who are, are on good ground, this will encourage you tonight. Even if you're only a 30, per, 30 percenter, you're still considered good ground. You're still considered good ground. If you're only a 30 percenter, at least you've got, at least you've got that going for you. God is not a, a condemner. He's not, this, this message or any message isn't, God's always encouraging you to step up higher and he doesn't, Yes, he wants us to go to perfection, but he's not going to throw you out if you don't. He's still going to bless you. You're still going to be of the, of the group that's of the good ground. But you can go from 30 to, 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 to 60 to 100% bearing fruit. Glory to God. So if you think, well, I'm only a 30%er, well, praise the Lord. You're, you're still good ground if you're acting on that 30%. Amen. That means, that means where, where the 30% is concerned, the weeds are not choking that out. The cares of this life, the love of money, the love of pleasures, they're not, they're not, they're not taking over that 30%. You've got that nailed down. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, praise God. I tell you what, it, it matters how we hear. It matters not just that we hear, it matters how we hear. And it does matter what we hear because this world's talking all the time. Amen. Praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.